What's up, guys? Jason Benson here with Love Moves Us. Have you ever wondered what adoption looks like through a child's eyes? Like, what's their perspective? And can there be both beauty and pain in adoption? Well, I'm sitting here with my friend Melissa, who was adopted as an infant uh, and is also a current foster parent, uh, to share her story and her perspective. Melissa, thanks for being here uh, and being willing to share with us. Um, could you just start off by just telling us a little bit about your story and your family and growing up and what that looked like? Sure. Um, I was adopted as an infant, as you just said. Um, my parents were unable to have kids of their own. They tried for years and it just didn't work out for them. So they decided to adopt through Catholic Charities. Um, when, after quite a few years, they got my sister. I have an older sister. Um, they got a call that there was a little baby girl available and they went and picked her up. And then four and a half years later, they got a call and picked me up from the agency. Four and a half years. Four and a half years. All right. All right. So just the two of you then? Just the two of us. Okay. And we are not biologically related. I, that's usually a follow-up question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just the two of us. We grew up in St. Charles. Um, I always like to say I had everything I needed, not everything I wanted. Um, but just had a really, you know, pretty average suburban, suburban life growing up. Sure, sure. When did you find out you were adopted? This is something that I absolutely love that my parents did for me. I found out when I was about seven that not everybody's adopted. Um, we have a unique situation where my mom was adopted as well. So adoption was a very normal conversation in our household. Um, but there was definitely a moment, I think I was in second grade, when I learned that not everybody's adopted. And I think that was one of the best gifts as an adoptee that somebody could have given me. That's awesome. Um, so how did you feel like when you found out you were adopted or like not everybody was adopted? Like what, what was your, what were your feelings on that? Um, I don't remember there being like a major aha moment. Um, we had a little storybook, like it was, I remember it looked like one of those little golden books and it was called, Why Am I Adopted? And so I remember my parents reading that to me all the time when I was a kid. So I think I've always just had a really healthy view of adoption and that it was a very normal thing. So I think my experience is probably not like a lot of other people's mm -hmm. um, in that I have always known I've never questioned if it was a negative or a positive. You know, how did you feel about people finding, you know, you finding out that not everybody was adopted? So when I kind of learned that everybody was not adopted, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor. Like it felt special. Mm. There was definitely, you realize that you have something that nobody else had. Did your feelings about that ever change as you got older or did your perspective change on that ever? I think it has. I think definitely there's been times where being adopted has brought up a lot of feelings all over the board, mm. um, especially I think in transitional life stages. Um, when things are, are changing in your life, you start to think about certain things. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I was at my OBGYN and they asked about um, medical history and they had just started doing all kinds of genetic testing to see if you mm. carry certain genes. And I've always 
been okay with answering questions at the doctor saying, I'm adopted, I have no medical history. Mm -hmm. um, but they had me fill out this form about my family medical history. And they said, if you have a family history of breast cancer, your insurance will pay for this testing. And if you don't, you can pay for it out of pocket. And I said, well, I don't know. Mm. I was like, I don't know the answer to that question. And right. what may seem like something small to some people, but also when you don't have your, your like medical background, it can raise a lot of like uncertainty and a lot of questions. So that's one of the things that came up. And then especially when I started having children of my own, um, I wasn't able to talk to my mom about her experiences being pregnant. So that was an interesting mm. thing. And I think it was a little hard on her as well because it's mm. something she had really wanted. Yeah. And so she wasn't able to coach me through those things as your body's changing, going through a pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't able to ask her those questions because she didn't know what it felt like. Sure. Um, sure. I remember a very intense moment when my oldest was born and he was, I just remember having an epiphany that he was my first biological relative I met. Mm. And it was a very cool, but emotional moment that I'm like, this is the first person in my life I've ever met that I share genetics yeah. with. And it yeah. was bittersweet, but sure. it was also really, really cool. Mm. Um, and something special to share with my own kid. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. I think people take that moment for granted sometimes. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. How did you see or view adoption being viewed by other people in your life? Like friends, relatives, um, society at large? Like how did you, what was your perception growing up of how adoption was viewed by others? So within my family, and I'm talking extended family as well, adoption was very accepted and you know it was very everybody was very aware of it um my aunt and uncle fostered for a little while so it was not taboo um but i do remember hearing things about people being adopted and hearing like you weren't wanted you weren't not anything directed necessarily to me mm. but um using it in the context of talking about other people not realizing that you know, my background, people would say things about, oh, I could never give up a child or, mm. you know, how could you love a child that isn't your own? Um, people make those kinds of comments without realizing who might be in the room and who might be reading what they're saying. Sure. Yeah. And I think another weird thing that comes up is using those same words when talking about animals. Mm. You know, a lot of people talk about fostering dogs or, mm -hmm. or ado you know, I adopted a dog from the shelter and, you know, and, and they talk about in the context of abandoned left on the streets. And so sometimes being an adoptee, when they're using that language, it can be, I almost wish there was a different word for people and animals. Sure. Not that I don't love animals. Sure. Not that my dog isn't a rescue dog, but I wasn't rescued. Right. You know, to right. me, that's a big thing. I wasn't rescued. Mm -hmm. My biological mother in my situation made a choice mm -hmm. and she chose what she thought was the best option for me. Sure. Do I know what my life would have been like? No. Right. But she made a deliberate choice at that time. She didn't abandon me. Yeah. She made a direct choice of, I think my baby will have a better life 
in this situation. Yeah, and that's a great distinction. I think that's one of those things that, um, unfortunately, like you said, so many people ha- hold this perspective of giving up and abandonment and things when the reality, especially in our country with regard to domestic infant adoption, is women are making a choice, a con- conscious, difficult choice for what they want for their child. Um, and that, uh, I think, needs to be celebrated more so and not you know, perpetuating these other stereotypes or myths and, and things. Have you ever met your biological family? I have not. Um, I have done both Ancestry and 23andMe okay. um, because I thought that would be an interesting... Yeah. I also thought it might be interesting like if I did match with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably about five years ago, I got really curious. I've always been curious. As a kid, I would create these like fantasy worlds, especially when I was in trouble or I was mad at my parents. I would create this fantasy world of who my biological parents mm. were. It was always like a celebrity that like couldn't have a baby because they had a movie to film or, you know, something <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um, but so maybe like five or six years ago, I got really curious. I contacted the agency I was adopted through. I went through the whole slew of paperwork about contacting my biological parents. Um, and it's a really intense packet. Mm. I mean, they make you fill out a lot of information because I had a closed adoption. Okay. And they ask a lot of psychological questions about where you are at in life that mm. I never even would have considered. Mm. Um, one of the questions was, how would you feel if you found out you were the product of rape or incest? Mm. And I kind of like, like I had to stop the, the application paperwork or whatever for a little while because I was sure. like, I don't know. Absolutely. Like I had to answer that. I was like, I don't know. I guess I've never thought about that before. Yeah. Um, so that was a very interesting like self-discovery process, filling out that paperwork. Mm. But I felt like I was in a really good place in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've always had a very healthy attitude towards my adoption for the most part. Not to say there weren't times I wasn't curious or bitter or whatever emotions became evoked, um, but I've always had an attitude of gratitude. Yeah. Um, And so I reached out to the agency, filled out all this paperwork. I made sure I was in a good place in my life where I wasn't having any major life changes going on. I was married. I had two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't planning on having any other kids anytime soon. Yeah. So I felt like I was good, stable. This is the time to do it. I felt very pulled by something in the universe saying, this is the time. Mm. So when I talked to the woman at the agency, which happened to be like 15 minutes away from my house, um, and then I got information back that my biological mother was not willing to meet me at the time. Mm. Um, but one of the things I'd requested was if they contacted her, if she wasn't in a position to meet me, if she'd be willing to receive a letter. Mm. Um, I think adoption and biological parents have a a really bad stigma Mm -hmm. in society. And I felt I owed it to her to write her letter, letting her know that I had nothing but appreciation and love for her. Mm. Um, and that I was okay. So it took me quite a while. It took me a few months. And then one day I just sat down and write the letter. I had to be in the right, sure. in the right mood. And um, something yeah. was calling me, telling me like, you need to write this letter one day. Mm-hmm. So I called up the woman who I'd been dealing with at the agency. And I was like, I wrote this letter. And she's like, okay, I'm going out of town. So 
like, you know, when I get back to the office in two weeks, I'll, I'll send it out. And I was like, well, no, it needs, it needs to go today. Yeah. Um, and that's when I found out it was like 15 minutes from my house. Okay. I didn't know that the whole time. I was like, this is really oh, weird because really? everything had been through email. Okay. And so I found out that their office was like 15 minutes from my house. And I said, okay, this is really weird. But if I drive it to you, like right now, can yeah. you? she's like, yeah, I can send it out before. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I leave. So, awesome. um, I don't know what happened with that. I, mm. I assume she received it. Yeah. Um, but I know I got off my heart what I felt like I needed to sure. say to her about, you know, I'm happy, I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, I'm very thankful yeah. that you, you know, that you chose this path for me. And I can't imagine, you know, after having yeah. my own kids that I can't imagine mm. how hard of a decision that would be for you. Sure. So... I have even more gratitude now. Yeah. Um, I think it was really just important for me to make sure that I expressed that to her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds like it was a, a cathartic process in, of writing and Very. processing of the emotions. and. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And still yet a great thing. Like even, I mean, I view that as like a gift you gave her in writing what you, it sounds like you wrote. Yeah, I, ho know? I hope it was. Because yeah. um, I tried to put myself in her shoes. And yeah. I think as a woman and a mother, having my own kids, the thought yeah. of not knowing where they're at, not knowing if they're good, like would cripple me, it would wreck me. Sure. And so I know that her situation must have been that intense that she felt like that was the best option was to yeah. not raise me. Yeah. And so I felt like I owed it to her to say, like, I'm okay. Like, you don't need to harbor any, Yeah. you know, I think I said something like, if you do have feelings of guilt or any of sure. this, like, you don't need to. Sure. I'm okay. I don't resent you. I don't hate you. I have nothing but, like, honor and gratitude for you. Yeah. So I want to get into some of the things that maybe as you were growing up that, that you wrestled with, because... Um, you know, for, for most of us who are adoptive parents, foster parents, like we see our kids, um, you know, at different stages wrestle through things and, 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 and coming to terms with or trying to understand and make sense of their history and their biological family and what happened, um, knowing that there are some specific you know, uh, devel developmental stages when there's rapid brain growth that typically signals when those those things you know when when kids wrestle and struggle with those things i'm curious um you know what kinds of things issues topics did you wrestle with as a child as it relates to your biological family <sighs> there was a lot of questions of where did i come from not necessarily from like a physical, like my parents have always been open. This is the agency. This is how it went down. But like, what's my background? Like what's, you know, I'm celebrating these family traditions and these cultural traditions. And I know what they said on a paper, but I'm white. So I could be a lot of different things, mm. you know? So is this my biological background? Is this the kind of cultural things that I would have experienced had I been with biological family um that's always been sure a question especially seeing a lot of families celebrate like big holidays and family and cultural traditions i'm like is this all just a front is this in my dna is this is this what i would have done 
in that situation um, had I been with my biological family. Mm. And it's interesting because what the agency had written down for my biological parents as far as my genetic background was actually different than what my genetic screening came back. Hmm. Not all of it, yeah, sure. but um, I was told I was Irish and Norwegian. Hmm. And then come to find out I'm like predominantly German. Hmm. Like there is Irish and Norwegian in there. Irish is like my number two. But I just thought it was really funny that I was like, oh, most of me is German. It's like, that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Cause like, I'm not a tiny little girl. Like I was like, now I'm like this like brute German. And I'm like, I probably have like a grandma somewhere that's like pounding dough or something. <laughs> But yeah, so there was a lot of questions over, is this real? Like, or if there were things that I didn't connect to, it was, am I not connecting to this or this tradition or these family members because I'm adopted? Mm-hmm. Or is it just because of clash of personalities? Yeah. Um, and I hate to say that like, there was one time that I used it as a weapon against mm-hmm. my parents. And I'm not proud of it because sure. I knew that was where it hurt. Mm. Um, and I know my parents' situation, not being able to have kids, like that was definitely like, it was a gut punch. Mm. Um, and I'm not proud of it, but you know, you're in those teenage hormonal years and you're just, I think every teenager gets angry at some point. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I definitely threw it out there. And I think, my sister met her biological mother and she has some siblings and I watched my parents go through that and I watched them be hurt by that. Mm. And I had to have a conversation with my parents of me wanting to know about my biological family does not negate my love for you. Mm-hmm. It's curiosity. Mm-hmm. And my mom's yeah. adopted too. And so yeah. she never really had much of a desire to know anything about her biological family. So I think there's also that aspect where her being adopted, she had her feelings and me being adopted. I had my feelings and they didn't line up. So when I had curiosity about my biological family or wanted more information or wanted to search out, um, it wasn't necessarily viewed by my parents as like a positive. Yeah thing like I needed to constantly reassure them like this isn't I'm not looking for a new mom or dad Mm. like that they're not I'm not looking for that to replace this relationship yeah I just am curious Mm. you know I I think when you grow up in a household where you're not genetically related to anybody and maybe sometimes you don't always view things the same way you you wonder how much of that is you know biological versus Mm. what do they say uh Nature versus nature nurture, versus nurture. Yeah. you know, yeah. so how much of it is nature versus nurture? Because there's so many times my parents and I are polar opposites on things mm. and things we, the way we view certain asp or certain situations. And so I wonder how much of that is. There's definitely been times where I'm like, I know I'm genetically not related to them. <laughs> like there's something like, even since I was a kid, in me that they would question why I do things the way I do. Yeah. And I remember like having that thought of like knowing like I'm really different than them. Mm. Even like from the time I was like four or five years old. Okay. Like kindergarten, there'd be like silly little mannerisms or this or that. And it like getting older, realizing like that's probably like something inherently in me Mm. that 
is evoked by certain things in this world yeah. that isn't stirred up by other people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. There's something inside of me that's different than the parents who raised me. And that's okay. Yeah. And maybe that happens with biological kids. But I know in my experience I was adopted, so that's what I know. Sure. And I know that from a very young age there were just certain things that in me, certain things I was passionate about that yeah. my parents kind of gave me that look of like, Where'd she come from? You know? And, right, right. And that's okay. Yeah. What kinds of things did you wrestle with at like different ages and stages when we talk about the brain growth? Like, so let's just say like at age eight, think about your life at age eight. What were some of the things you were, emotions, some of the feelings you had, like what was going on at maybe, you know, second grade you said is kind of when you found out not everybody was adopted, but you know, what other kinds of things did you wrestle with or, or feelings that you... I think, had when honestly, just eight. sometimes the way I view the world. Um, you know, like I talked about how my mom had views of her adoption in more of a negative connotation than okay. I did. You know, I, I'm like the eternal optimist of like, well, maybe, you know, or my mom chose this life for me because it was better for me. Mm. Whereas my mom has talked about abandonment a lot. Okay. Uh, I've always, since I was little, been aware of social justice issues. Um, it's always been, I was in kindergarten and I remember my parents will still tell this story to this day that in kindergarten I came home singing about Martin Luther King like setting the people free. And I was setting, saying they, they set my people free. Like, and they're like, here's this little blonde haired white girl <laughs> singing, oh, Martin Luther King, he set us free. You know, yeah, yeah. And they thought it was like the weirdest thing. I think that's great. If my little blonde haired blue eyed kids come home and sing that, I'd be like, yes, yeah. yes. And they weren't mad about it, but they just kind of didn't get it. Yeah. Like that a teacher was teaching about that. Um, I remember my parents were really, really, really wanted me to go to Catholic school. Okay. Um, They made sacrifices to afford Catholic school. And I hated it. Mm. I mean, I hated it from kindergarten. And it wasn't about the Catholic teachings. It wasn't about any of that. There was just something in me that was like, nope, this is not my... This is not my place. The people aren't my people. This is not, it felt very inauthentic. Um, So in second grade, I started begging to not be at Catholic school. Mm. Now, is that because that's when I realized about like the world of adoption and people birthing their own children? Or is that coincidence? I don't know. But like I was begging to be taken out of Catholic school. I felt like I didn't fit. And then luckily like, so I, that was second grade and third grade, I continued. And so they allowed me to go to public school starting in fourth grade. And okay. I just felt so much more in my skin. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, kids in Catholic school, they were all different. Like, I don't know if I was the only adopted person in my grade or not, but there was something different about being in a public school than yeah. being in the Catholic school that just felt more authentic. What, what change did you get, like, to age 12 and then even... Like go to fast forward to sixteen Ooh. with regard to uh, rough years, um, junior high. <laughs> That's really encouraging to all the parents out there that are, have twelve and sixteen year olds. <laughs> I know. Like, we know it's rough. We uh, know. <laughs> you know, I was a. I would say I was a really good kid. Not that I didn't make my mistakes. Yeah. Because I definitely made my mistakes. But I was a pretty good kid. Like I was pretty on the straight and narrow. 
Okay. 90% of the time. Okay. I started going to youth group with a friend, I think around fourth or fifth grade. And so in junior high, I was just immersed in like church culture, church world. Mm -hmm. And my mom didn't like it because it wasn't Catholic church. Mm. Um, And come to find out later, it's because I was adopted through Catholic charities. Okay. And so... I was adopted into a Catholic home on purpose. Okay. So she felt like that was very important to continue. That was like one of the things that she felt was very important to instill in me is Catholic values. Gotcha. And so I kind of chuckle because I'm like, that's not my, you know, I know we all kind of believe the same things with the closed fist, but there's like a lot of fluff that, you know, very, that changes the different religions and things like that. And, um, I remember being exposed more to the world of foster care and adoption when I was going to a Methodist church and being more aware of the need for it and Mm. that it wasn't just this thing for people who couldn't have kids. Mm. Um, That was my family situation, but understanding that it was more than just a white couple who couldn't have their own kids. Yeah. Um, I had a friend, a really good friend, one of my best friends in junior high, who's sister was adopted from China and you know just learning that adoption is not this one box item and you and you felt like you learned that in in through youth group in the church that you were yeah. going to and, you know it was yeah. very much a conversation about yeah. the world outside of St. Charles Illinois yeah sure of sure. you know that the world existed outside of you know St. Yeah. Charles's little box of yeah and maybe it was the area I grew up in. Everything was always about, like, it has to look one way. It has sure. to, you know, like, not that you go around telling people if you birthed your child or you adopted them, but, like, it was never a discussion. It was just, this is my daughter, which I'm glad about. Sure. But also I felt like that was a little part of me that made me special. Mm. Um, now my mom feels the other way because she had, her and her brother were adopted, and then, way down the line my grandma got pregnant a very surprised pregnancy okay and my grandmother would say things like these are my adopted children and this is Mm. my son so i know that was hurtful to her Mm. but sure for me being in a family of only adopted kids it was almost like a badge of honor yeah i remember like kind of deflecting but it is true of saying like i remember saying to somebody maybe it was in junior high or high school of I said to somebody, like, you could have been an accident, but my parents chose me. Mm. (laughs) Like, I was able to use that as, like, a. they really, really wanted me. Yeah. They had to do all this paperwork. They had to do all these home studies. They had to pay a lot of money for me. Like, you could have been, like, a one-night oops. (laughs) And, like, I was able to use that as a little bit of a a weapon of, like, how much work it took to get an adopted child. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective that you have that, like, I don't know that everybody shares that perspective. Um, I'm like, you could have been a five-minute, you know. And that your parents had to have instilled in you to yeah. a large degree, I'm yeah. guessing. I was talking to my mom this morning, and she was talking to me about all the things that they had to go through to be approved for adoption. Yeah. And I kind of chuckled, and I was like, shut up, Mom, because I had to do all this stuff, too, for foster care. Like, right, right. <laughs> you know, for I said, sure. you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Because yeah. she's like, but I had to get our dog shots. I'm like, I know. I have to renew mine in November. Like, right. Um but yeah, like it's a lot more work to adopt a child than it is to birth one. And sure. I can say that because I have birthed children. <laughs> um, I have not adopted, but we fostered. And even that process has been so much more work yeah. than birthing my own children. Yeah. And I had three C-sections. So sure. yeah. 
yeah. it's definitely True. not, and I know not everybody's situation is like that. Some people have to work really hard if they want to carry their own children. Right. But right. there's a lot of kids that are surprised yeah. and you yeah. didn't even know you were trying. Yep. If we, if we can maybe go be a little vulnerable here in this next uh, couple of questions and stuff I have for you. What thoughts or feelings did you have as you were growing up related to adoption or your birth family um, that you kept to yourself, Oof. that you didn't feel like you could talk about or that it was safe to talk about? I don't think I've still said these things out loud, so thanks. <laughs> um, I think, and maybe I'm generalizing, but I think every preteen and teenager hates their parents at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's a select few, but there were definitely times where thoughts would come into my head of, I would be better off with my birth family. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get me. They don't understand me. They don't, sure. you know they're not letting me do what I want. If I was with my birth mom, I could be doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I've said those words out loud before, yeah. but there was definitely, especially those hormonal years are so bad. Yeah. And your parents can't do anything right. Mm, sure. um, you know, they can try all they want and they can be the coolest parents, but they're still going to do something that is not yeah. cool to the, to the teenager. You know, yeah. they're there too much. They're not there enough. They're, you know, sure they're in your face all the time or they're not giving you enough attention. Like there's, there's never going to be a right way to parent. I think sure. those kids and as a mom, I know I mess up probably on a daily basis, Yeah. but there were definitely times that those conversations came up or in my head, not even conversations, but that went on in my head. I think also just in a weird, more, I don't know if it's generalized or very specific, but there's been times I've thought about, like, if I needed an organ transplant, like, I would have to start from scratch. Like, not from scratch, but, like, I know my blood type. Mm. But a lot of times people start with family. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, if anything ever happened to me, or even for me, to my kids, I've thought about, like, man, like, my search would be that much harder than people who are genetically connected to their family sure so sure that's something i don't think a lot of people think about maybe yeah that aren't adopted sure um but yeah yeah, i'm like man if i needed bone marrow like who would i go to Mm. because i don't know anybody even now besides my kids and i wouldn't want to do that to my kids right um right but i don't know anybody who i'm related to yeah and you know science says that like it's a better match if you're genetically related to somebody right to use that tissue so and those are some of the things that people just don't think about, never right? Think like you about just it. right. I had the thought one point of I would be better off dating within my family because then I knew I wouldn't be crossing a gene pool. Like something so silly and so stupid, but I'm like I could be dating my cousin. <laughs> and I would never know. Not that I would date like any of my right. adoptive cousins or anything, right, like, but right. you know, I was like technically that's a safer pool to date in. <laughs> genetically than the world Mm. like i'm guaranteed to not be biologically related to these people but um you know there's just some of those weird (laughs) things yeah there's just some of those weird things in life that come up that you're like or the thought has come across of like did i ever run into them at the mall you know did i ever Mm. cross paths with them i worked retail so that's why i said the mall um yeah 
in high school. Like, did I ever like check her out when I was working the jewelry counter or, you know, just, I would see people that kind of looked like me and I'd be like, I wonder. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's not, it was never in like a longing way. Like it was never like, I want that. It was just curious. Like sure. I'm just curious. Sure. I'm really, really curious. Yeah. What, what do you feel like um, your parents did well as adoptive parents? By far the communication about being adopted mm. and the amount of times they talked about it and talked about the Meaning process. Meaning what? Like what, what do you mean when they talked about you being adopted? How, how did they bring that up or how did they talk about it? What kinds of things did yeah. they say? When I was really little, it was like the books. What did my parents do well? I think my parents were just very open about adoption my whole life. From yeah. one time I was a little kid reading books about it, yeah. just mentioning it at the dinner table. Um, they will always tell the story of how my mom was at work when my dad got the call and she mm-hmm. worked at a department store. And so he rushed down with my sister and told her, like, we got to go. There's a baby. Mm-hmm. And they drove down to the agency and my sister, like, found me. So I guess I was crying in a room down the hall. Okay. And they let my sister go find the baby. Okay. Um, find her little sister. Yeah. So, you know, I think when I think about my kids and I tell them about their birth stories. Sure. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a common thing that people talk about. Oh, when, especially on birthdays. When you yeah. were born, yep. this is what happened. Yeah. And so in my family, it was like, when we got the call for you, mm-hmm. was a very common phrase yeah. um, brought up. You know, birthdays, holidays. My mom talks about when I was baptized on the Epiphany. Um, things like that. Mm-hmm. It was just brought into normal conversation. Yeah. It was never now we're going to talk about adoption. It was brought up just like you would talk about birthing your own child. Yeah. Um, it was never really brought up in the context of your birth family or this, but when we got the call for you, mm. you know, and yeah. I, I relate that to like telling my kids when I found out I was pregnant, this is how I told daddy. Yeah. And yeah. it was just very nonchalant, um, I must think it's better sometimes to not make a big deal. Like you want it to be a normal conversation, but mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be a big conversation. Sure. Uh, my kids sure. now, I mean, I've talked about adoption since they were itty bitties and just brought it up as a normal conversation mm-hmm. because I think when you normalize it and you don't make it a big deal, it takes away the stigma and it sure. takes away... Is it a big deal? Yes, it's a big deal. But also, it shouldn't be a big deal. Like, it should just be so normal because we yeah. live in a world where there's a lot of babies that needs home, need yeah. homes. And there's a lot of kids that need parents that are capable of loving on them the way that they need to be loved. And so when we make a big deal out of it, it's not this big hero savior situation. Mm-hmm. Um, in my family, I think my birth mom is the one that saved my parents. Mm. You know, they really struggled. They weren't able to have kids. And yeah. so she's the hero in the situation. Mm. She's the one that made a choice. Yeah. And she gave them the gift yeah. of a child that they couldn't have on their own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what kinds of things do you f- wish maybe your parents had done differently? <sighs> I think... 
if I could coach adoptive parents to do something differently, I think there have been times that my biological parents have been the bad guy. Mm. And not really the bad guy, but I felt when I was curious and asking questions, it was shut down at times about my biological family, not about adoption. Yeah. But that when, when there were times I had questions about where I came from yeah. biologically, it was kind of shut down. Um, and I know that they don't think she's a bad person. I think there's a little part of them that felt threatened mm. by there's something that we will never have that she has with her birth mom, mm. even though I haven't met her since I was in the hospital. But there's something that they can never get. Mm. They will never have that moment. And it's sad. Like yeah. It is sad. My yeah. mom's expressed how she's sad that she missed those first you know, those first days of my life, you know, she's like, I don't know what you wore home from the hospital. Mm. You know, some people have like, I have all my kids little hats from, from the hospital and we don't have those things. Um, I was fortunate enough that I lived with a foster family for just a few weeks when I was first born and they wrote me a card and I got to open it when I was a teenager. Oh, cool. And they wrote me a note just about how I was a happy a happy baby, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's something I cherish. I think it's something really neat. And sure. I think it's a gift to my parents yeah. as well, yeah. that they get a little glimpse into what my first few days were like. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, Absolutely. And then coming full circle, um, us being in the foster care world, my husband and I actually got to take care of a little girl home from the hospital while she was waiting for her adoptive parents. Mm. Um, they were from out of state and it was during COVID. And so there was travel restrictions there was yeah so we just had her for a weekend it wasn't anything yeah crazy long but yeah i took pictures and sent them to the caseworker and i you know i made sure to like put a post-it on a little baggie and say like this is what she came home from the hospital in and i wrote her a little card that said like this is what your first few days were like Mm. you know you did this you did that you smiled you know and I felt it was very full circle that I got to give her parents that glimpse of what her life was like for those first little, first couple days home from the hospital that they were not legally like allowed to get her yet or see her yet. But I was able to be like, from my experience, I know this is something my parents missed out on. So I'm going to try to give you as much as I can in this little package. Yeah. Um, and then I got to actually hand her to them, and it was like the coolest. Yeah. Like. That's awesome. I asked the caseworker. I was like, I know this is weird, but can I, can I give them their baby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being an adoptee. Yeah. And knowing what my parents went through, uh, I was like, I know this sounds really weird, but like this would be very full circle for me. Can I give them? Uh, and she yeah. was like, Yeah, of course. Like you've watched her all week, you know. It's, yeah. And so I got to like carry the baby in and That's be beautiful. like, Here's yeah. your daughter. Like, and it was just the coolest. Right. Like, That's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. And had I not had those experiences being adopted or had my parents not told me those things. Sure. Or told me how hard some of those things were. Yeah. I would not have been able to give them that gift. Yeah. 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 Going back to what you said right at the beginning there, though, too, with what you would coach adoptive parents. um, I think if I I hear you correctly, like you're saying, 
don't be threatened by your child's curiosity or questions mm-hmm. about their birth family. Yeah. Like that's like that's a normal a I normal thing so and normalize normal. it and, and and don't be threatened by that because what I hear you saying is like my curiosity about them doesn't negate my love for you. Absolutely. Right. No, I think it's hard for us to compartmentalize these feelings. You either want to feel happy or sad and not Mm -hmm. at the same time, like trying to feel both of those at the same time. Sure. So I can have love and gratitude for my birth parents and also love and gratitude for my adoptive parents at the same time. Yeah. Like my mom and dad are my mom and dad. Yeah. Like there's no adoptive mom and dad put before it. That's mom and dad. Right. You know, for my birth mother, I do say birth mother, mm. you know, or biological mother. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a distinction. Mm-hmm. She's not my mom. She birthed me, but she's not my mom. She's yeah. not who raised me. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely been times, and I know working in the foster care world, which is different than a traditional adoption, it's very easy to villainize the birth parents. Mm. And I know I've done it myself. Mm. And it's hard. It's hard to fight that because there's very direct choices a lot of times in the foster care situation. Sure. Um, But right now, what I'm currently dealing with with our placements, I have empathy for her. I know she loves her kids. Sure. But I also know them being with her isn't safe right now. Mm. And so it's a very hard situation. And I defend her to other people. Yeah. People say things to me all the time of like, well, you know, don't you just want her to get her kids taken away, you know, so you can adopt them? No, I don't. Mm. I want her to get better. Yeah. Is what I want. I sure. want her to better herself as a human being. Sure. Um, but I also know right now she's not safe. Yeah. And that's, it's sad. It hurts. It breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, bio, my biological mother may have been in a similar situation, but sure. she may have had the wherewithal enough to know she couldn't raise a kid at the time. Yeah. I know she was young. She was like in early college okay. years. I do have like a little snippet of background information. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't know if she struggled with mental health or anything like that. Right. But nine times out of 10, I would say even more than that. I would say... 999 times out of a thousand I think birth parents love their children yeah they are not the bad guy they may make bad choices sure but they love their children yeah I think they're probably have been exposed to trauma Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to yeah move forward yeah I think they don't know how to use those skills they haven't been taught they haven't had the same resources we've had so they don't understand how to work through their trauma yeah. to parent their kids. Yeah. But it doesn't make them a bad person. Sure. It makes them a person who didn't have the advantages that a lot of us have had. Yep. I know a lot of the parents I've worked with probably should have been in care themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's that constant back and forth being a foster parent and an adoptee that wants to see those families reunited. Yeah. I want to see so that those kids don't have those questions their whole life of who am I, where did I come from? Yeah. Or I want to see the biological parents and the foster parents have a good relationship so when those kids have those questions, their parents have access to the answers. Sure. 
I think that's like a perfect world. Yeah. I mean, I always say fostering, like in a perfect world, whatever happens to the kids, if they go home or if they stay, yeah. the perfect world would be that we're all involved in their lives. Yeah. Like that we have some kind of relationship that we can be together to celebrate these children because we all love them. Yeah. And it's not me against you. It's all of us against the world for the kids. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the word trauma with regard to maybe some some birth parents and stuff. I'm curious how did trust and or fear play a role for you as a child in with relationships with your parents, with friends, with yeah. How did you see trust or fear play? A you know, role? it's something I'm actually working on currently with a therapist um trust fear i think i don't know if trust and fear really has always been a theme in my life maybe trust but i think since i was a little kid i've always felt like i didn't fit in Mm. there's been times i didn't feel like i fit in with my own family Mm. there were times i felt like i didn't fit in at school like I talked about being in Catholic school, I felt like I didn't fit in with any of those kids. Yeah. And I could say to this day, I still feel like I wouldn't fit in with any mm. of those kids or the majority of them. Um, and I think part of that goes back to being adopted of just sometimes not knowing always where you fit in. So like, even, even as a, a white girl being adopted by mm-hmm. white parents, yeah. you didn't always in feel like In the white like suburbs. You, you didn't feel like you fit I in I didn't always feel like I fit in. Yeah. Um, is that because I'm adopted? I don't know. Is that go back to, I very much believe in like trauma is a real thing. Um, I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about like trauma can be anything. Trauma is when you have like that intense emotional response. So people can have trauma from very different things. And to yeah. one person, it can be, you know, minor, nothing. And to another person, it's this huge thing sure. that's traumatic yeah. to them. Absolutely. Trauma isn't the event. Absolutely. It's our response to an event. Right. Like, it's interesting because that was actually one of my questions that, you know, that you already just brought up about, you know, any times maybe with your family where you felt different. And you just said, you know, like you, you did. There were lots of times you didn't feel like you fit in. I'm just, I'm curious if there were, like, what during your childhood did you find to be traumatic as it relates to maybe your adoption or your bio yeah. family, your adoptive family? Um, like, I for sure believe in infant trauma and that being separated from a parent at birth is trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I've done a lot of work being a foster parent on trying to be trauma informed mm-hmm. and trying to read and listen to podcasts and you know watch videos about trauma, take classes on trauma. And something that was very interesting to me that I learned once was about how when a baby's in the womb, they're already getting used to their environment. Um, the things that their mom's eating, which then you know translate to smells and things like mm-hmm. that. The things that they're hearing, the music they're hearing, the TV shows they're hearing, the sounds if they're in the city versus out in the suburbs, um, their mom's heartbeat. If their mom had a tense pregnancy, it can sure. cause anxiety right. or can lead to children that have anxiety and adults that have higher rates of anxiety because right. instead of hearing that steady boom, 
ba-boom, you know, they're, you're hearing an irregular heartbeat. Um, so I very much think that there's trauma when you are separated from your birth parent. Even though our active brain may have no recollection of that being a trauma, I think physically our body has that muscle memory of mm-hmm. separation. Yeah. Um, I think the body keeps the score was so such it was yeah. an intense read but it was yeah. so eye-opening to me as an adoptee and a foster parent about there's things that can happen before you're even cognitively aware of it that cause physical reactions and physical feelings that your body will always remember yeah and so to think about any particular event not really there was anything major trauma wise i mean i was hit by a car but that had nothing to do with sure Maybe if I wasn't adopted, I wouldn't have been hit by a car. I wouldn't have been crossing the street. Um, but That would be traumatic, but not, not as a <laughs> Right, as... traumatic, but not but in th- terms of... I guess of... You know, as, as an adoptive parent, I think, especially at those stages I talked about, you know, like at 8, at 12, at 16, where there's intense emotions, there's cognitive development, where they're, you know processing things as it relates to their story, their adoption. The thing I can think of that's like an actual event or series of events, because it happened more than once, is in school doing like your family history, Mm. family tree. Yeah. And not knowing. I had to do this when we went through our foster parenting classes. They had us diagram our family tree. And I was like, "Uh, how do I do this? Mm. Like, I don't know how to do this because my family tree is really wonky then. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. well, where's, where do the arrows go for, like, adoptive family versus biological? And then right. it's like, do you put the two dads here and two moms here? Or do you put, right. like, mom and dad, mom and dad? Um, so, in a sense, is it trauma where there was, like, a significant event that happened? No. But it was events that made my brain start going I don't know, and feeling very lost sure. and confused. Of sure. How do I answer this? Do I do my family's timeline when we did like Mayflower, like immigration, Ellis Island stuff? Like, and I remember doing it in class one time where they wanted you to try to trace your family back to coming to America. Yeah. Like, where okay. did your family, you know, because there's people who are native and then there's people who came over, you know, with the pilgrims and there's people who came over you know, not that long ago. There's first yeah. generation families here. Yeah. I remember having to do a project where we traced how our family came to America. Um, you know, are you native, you know, do you have native background? Are you from the pilgrims? Are you first generation, second generation? And I remember not knowing how to answer that question. Mm. Being like, well, I could go to my parents and ask them their family history, but that's not my sure. history of how my blood got on this soil. Right. right. And I didn't have access to answering the questions from that perspective. Yeah. And I even, when I did my genetic stuff online in the apps, like my family tree is really wonky. So they're not traumas in the sense of, I wasn't abused physically, emotionally, right. things like that. Yeah. But there are definitely things that I think people who are not adopted and don't have those answers wouldn't realize are questions. Or just the day-to-day, like, oh, your eyes are so beautiful. Where'd you get those from? Like, you know, people, like, who in your family has those eyes? I'm like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know who has my, you know, I don't know where I got my eyes from. I don't know where I got 
my smile from. I don't yeah. know. Mm. And even sometimes when people would say, oh, you look like your dad, you know, you kind of just chuckle on the inside of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You right. know? Yeah. And again, I'm white, so we do all kind of look alike. You know, they're not traumas in the sense that they're big events, but they're things that make you go, like, just make your brain go, hmm. It's a little, yeah. like, makes, it almost feels like a little jab sometimes. Some, yeah, right. Something you're thinking about. Seems like about a little that. nudge of, like, a reminder that. A little twinge. That you don't have access to that. Yeah. And you probably never will. Yeah. Um, I do, sure. the state of Illinois has now passed a law that I can have access to it. Okay. Um, I could pay $15 right now and get my unsealed birth records. Okay. I've made a conscious choice not to mm. because I reached out through the agency and my birth mother said she didn't want to meet me at the time. Yeah. And so I felt like it would be disrespectful mm. to her to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but it's th like, I'm still curious. Yeah, sure. You know, I want to sure. know. Absolutely. Um, and maybe I will one day, but I don't trust myself now to not like stalk her and find her on Facebook and yeah. see who she is. Um, sure. But yeah, there, there's a little bit of trauma in the fact that there's answers you will never get the answer to and you have no control over it. Yeah. You have zero yeah. control over any of those things. And you'd be surprised how much it comes up. Yeah. I want to end by asking you just uh, asking this last question that I want to ask everybody to kind of end this with is what's one thing you wish adoptive parents knew? The one thing I wish adoptive parents knew was to be honest with their kids. Adoption should not be shameful. It shouldn't be embarrassing. Infertility shouldn't be embarrassing. Um, hidden. It Anything, shouldn't be any hidden. Any information be hidden. I think when we hide information, it's an implied embarrassment. Yeah. And I'm proud to be adopted. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of the work it took my parents to get me. Mm -hmm. um, it may not have been the route that everybody takes, and that's okay. I think that's obviously different with infant adoption than it is foster to adopt um, and being duly involved in that. But I think it's also important to let your kids tell their stories if they want to and let them keep it private if they want to. Yeah. You know, that you're yeah. like, yes, as a, as a parent, it's part of your story, but that's also the start of their story. Yeah. And they deserve control over whether or not, what yeah. parts of their story they want the world to know. Yeah. And I catch myself, I catch my own self up in that. Yeah. Being a foster parent that sometimes I'm like, no, I need to put a bubble in it. Um, but they may grow up and not want the world to know about how sure. their lives started out or their right. family of origin. Yep. And they might go seek it out. Right. You know? Yeah. But at this stage, it's not my job to share their story. Sure. Um, I think you can have a conversation with a friend and you can say certain things like, hey, Jason, I'm struggling with infertility. This is where, this is the route we're going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. Yeah. But also just giving them the power to feel how they want to feel. Yeah. Um, you know, give your kids that option. Even if you feel a different way, even if you've lived a similar story, like my mom being adopted and me being adopted, 
validate that whatever they're feeling is what they're feeling. Yeah. If they're angry one day, let them be angry. It's probably nothing to do with what you did. Mm. Like, it's just something going on inside of them that's different than what's going on inside of you, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, love them unconditionally like you would. Don't treat them any differently yeah. than you would if you have a family that's blended of biological and adoptive kids. Like, make sure that you're loving all of them equally, which is hard sometimes. I mean, mm. sometimes my kids will say that I pay more attention to our foster kids than I do our mm. biological kids. And sometimes they need it. Um, yeah. But really just letting them be who they are. Yeah. If they want to find out what their DNA is, don't make them feel ashamed about it. Yeah. Let them explore that because there's that. something in them that they want. For sure. It's something they have control over. For sure. Absolutely. And when you're adopted and it's a closed adoption, you have this big black hole constantly like behind you mm. that you will never have access. So if you get a chance to have a little nugget of information yeah. and you want it, yeah. don't hinder yeah. them from exploring that. Sure. Even if it's a little scary to you, yeah. you know, go on that adventure with them. You know, yeah. be like, hey, I'm really curious too, you know, mm-hmm. let's learn about this together. Cause it could be a great opportunity for you guys to bond as well. Yeah. Like I didn't have any German traditions growing up. <laughs> I haven't really started to explore them, but yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm really interested in going into my genetic history and learning yeah. what some of those traditions are sure. that are part of who I biologically am made up of. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's different than what I grew up in. Absolutely. And that there can be so many emotions at one time. Yeah. If you're mad one day, it doesn't mean you're mad all the time. Yeah. You know, it just means you're having a moment. Or if you're sad for a moment. I'm sad that, like, the thought of never meeting any of my biological family can sometimes make me sad. Sure. Especially, like, as I'm getting a little older, like, they could die. Mm. And then I'll never get that chance. So that thought comes up and it's sad, but it's not, it doesn't mean I don't have love for my family. My family will always be my family. Yeah. And they can exist in the same world and they can exist at the same time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take away from what my parents built and they did a really good job of building that. Awesome. Um, So that would be. That's awesome. My biggest Cool. Well, Take thank away. you so much thank you. for sharing. I appreciate you being yeah. here and sharing so openly and vulnerably. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks.